Thank you so much, Jim. Oh my, that was powerful. I think we could say amen and go home. Oh, that was, I was just loving it over there, just sitting there and listening to that. And man, the word of God is truly, truly powerful. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn to one of the passages that Jim referred to in his prayer, and that is Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. It is a traditional Christmas passage and one we will look to the Lord to teach us from again this morning. This is interesting Sunday because it's the day after Christmas, and as I looked ahead on the calendar, I think, okay, what am I going to do on that day? What am I going to preach on that day? So um, being the 26th, I thought, you know, we want to stay with our Christmas theme, but at the same time, I want to challenge us, because I think it's so important every year, just to think that we're at the end of one year and coming into another. I think it is so important for every one of us, really every one of us, to reflect back on 2021, what has happened to us, where we've been, not just financially or not even just emotionally, but spiritually. What have we, how has God worked in our lives in 2021? What are our spiritual goals for 2022 as we look ahead? And just kind of where am I at right now? And so let me read for you uh, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Many of you know it well, but again, as Jim even prayed, Lord, give us hearts that are so receptive, eyes that are open to all that you want to teach us. The prophet Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his, excuse me, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, our first point this morning is a restless people. We are by nature a restless people living in a world filled with restlessness. We are. The word restless, if you look it up in the dictionary, means a person unable to rest or relax as a result of anxiety or boredom. A person unable to rest or relax. We are restless when we think about our country and our world. My guess is this morning that some of you are overwhelmed by what is going on in our country right now, what is going on all around the world. We are so restless. Political divisiveness, heated debates, people taking sides on COVID, 
on the vaccine, on masks. And there were all kinds of issues that are dividing us as a nation and that really aren't just here in America, but if you watch the news, are going on all over the world. And we are restless. We are restless in our relationships. My guess is that every adult here and every adult watching by live stream this morning has a relationship or relationships that are causing tension. Relationships that are broken. Relationships that have brought you pain. A pain that you felt perhaps even heightened this Christmas. And we are not only restless in our relationships, but we are restless with ourselves. We tend to come to a time like this at the end of the year. And we feel a frustration, at least privately, with the fact that we are still doing battle with certain sinful habits and patterns in our lives. And why haven't we won victory? Why am I still struggling with these sins? And sometimes it causes us great discouragement. We feel defeat in our Christian lives. And if you're here this morning and you don't feel some sense of that, it's probably because you're arrogant and proud and your problems are far deeper than that. We are a restless people. But looking forward, approximately 700 years, Isaiah the prophet writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And I want you to pay close attention to that very little phrase, to us. Isaiah says, to us, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is is given. This is intensely personal. When this child comes, when this son comes, he will be for you. This child is for you. This son is for you. So God's son would come into this world for a restless people living in a world filled with restlessness. And Isaiah gives us this magnificent description of this one to come. And it is why this particular passage of Scripture has become so important at Christmas time. He says the government will be upon his shoulder. And I want you to just hold on to that. We're going to come back to that later in the sermon, so just hold that part. But then after that, he gives us a fourfold description of this one who is to come. And it is so interesting. He says, his name shall be called. And it isn't just a name. It is a fourfold descriptive name. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The wonderful counselor isn't like we would use that in our everyday language, like, oh, he's a wonderful counselor, or she's a wonderful counselor. No, this means magnificent. It means perfect. 
He shall be called perfect counselor. He shall be called holy in his counsel. His knowledge is infinite. He has perfect knowledge of all things. He is our wonderful counselor. You can come to him every day with any need that you may have. In fact, I encourage you, as you go into this new year, come to him and saying, Lord, I need you. I need wisdom. I need guidance. I need direction. Lord, I don't know what to do. Oh, take heart. You have a wonderful counselor. And his name is Jesus. It reminds us of that famous passage in Isaiah 55 where the Lord says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. Aren't you glad this morning we have a counselor whose ways and thoughts are higher than ours? That's who I want to go to. That's who I want an appointment with. He is your counselor. He is your wonderful counselor. Secondly, he is mighty God, and it means exactly what it says. He is mighty God. This child, the son who is to come, will be God himself. As the theologians say, will be God of very God. In all of his attributes, he is going to come into the world clothed in flesh and blood. But specifically here, it means he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God has all the power of the universe. This one who is to come will have all the power of the universe. He will be God himself. Nothing will be too hard for him. He not only has access to all knowledge as wonderful counselor, he has access to all the power of the universe. He is sovereign over all things. He controls all the elements of creation. But not only is he all-powerful, he is a mighty warrior. Mighty God means mighty warrior. He goes to war on behalf of his children. He is there to defend his children. He goes to war against Satan and his army of demons. He is our mighty God. It reminds us of when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, for you will conceive your womb and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And Mary said, How can this be? How can this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Son to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then Gabriel says this to Mary. For nothing is impossible 
with God. Mary, that's how it will happen because he is mighty God and nothing is impossible with God and he is your wonderful counselor and he is your mighty God. Thirdly, he is your everlasting father. And we have to be careful with this description because Isaiah here is not talking about the Trinity, so don't get it confused with the Trinity. That is not the thought here. The thought here is that Jesus is the everlasting Father of all eternity, of everlasting life. Jesus came to us from eternity past. He is with us in eternity present. He will take us into eternity future because he is the everlasting Father. He is above time. He is beyond time. He is the controller of all of time. With him, with Jesus, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Why? Because he is the everlasting Father. The prophet, or God said to the prophet Malachi, I am the Lord, and I do not change. He is the same in the past, in the present, in the future. He is always the everlasting Father. And let us, let us praise God this morning that he is the everlasting Father because as the everlasting Father, he can give us everlasting life. He is the author of everlasting life and the only one who can give it to us by faith in him. Fourthly, he is the Prince of Peace, and that is our second point this morning, Prince of Peace, and that is where we will spend most of our time this morning. In the Bible, we find three different types of peace. Peace with God, peace within, and peace in the world. And if you remember nothing else this morning, I want you to remember that all three of those kinds of peace can only be found in the Prince of Peace. That's the only place they can ever be found. First, he is peace with God. The Bible clearly tells us that in our human, natural human nature, we are sinful and we are separated from God. We are in rebellion against God. And therefore, we are God's enemies. But the Prince of Peace was born into this world, and he died for our sins. He was punished for our sins. The Lamb of God took upon himself the sins of the world. Then he was raised victoriously from the dead, and that through him, we might not only have eternal life, but we have peace with God. We are at peace with God through the Prince of Peace. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been saved by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus has reconciled us to God by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We think of that famous passage 
In Isaiah chapter 53, the description of the suffering servant of the Lord, and it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Oh, it is the Prince of Peace who gives us peace with God. But not only does he give us peace with God, he gives us peace within. Those who know Christ as Savior, those who have been redeemed by his blood, can experience a tranquility, a serenity, a peace within that no one else apart from Christ can experience. It is a peace that can only be found within the Prince of Peace. And oh, let me tell you this morning, the Prince of Peace invites you to cast your burdens upon him, to give him all of your hardships and trials and struggles, to surrender them to him, And in exchange, he will give you his peace, an experiential peace that is real in our lives. In Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding will guard you. It will guard your heart and your mind. And I don't know about you, I need my heart and my, my, heart and my mind guarded by the peace of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, it says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. In Colossians 3, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. I love that phrase. Let the peace of Christ rule. Rule and reign in your hearts. Oh, we can experience an inner tranquility and serenity and peace that can only be found in the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' first coming, he came to bring us peace with God. He came to bring us peace within. But we also know this as did Isaiah. He will come a second time. He will come again. And when he comes again, he is going to bring peace in the world. He is going to bring peace to the earth and peace to the universe. Zechariah chapter 9, that great prophetic chapter, says, Rejoice, Greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, 
And Zechariah looked years ahead and specifically predicted the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Rejoice, Zion. Rejoice, Jerusalem. Here comes your king. Here comes the one having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. But in the very next verse, in the very next verse, Zechariah 9, 10, it says this about this one who was riding on a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Oh, take note, this one who came gentle and riding on a donkey, who gave his life on the cross of Calvary, will one day come as a great warrior, and he will bring peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and he shall rule from one end of the earth to the other. In Micah chapter 5 and verses 4 in 5, this is a passage that Pastor Dan read on Christmas Eve. It says of Jesus, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Oh, that day is coming when Jesus will return, and his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he, notice he, will be our peace. Let's go back to Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The thought here is that this coming son, this coming child is so mighty that he can take the whole world, the whole universe upon his shoulder. And one day he will rule and reign over everything. The eternal, everlasting government will be upon his shoulder. And then this is heightened and broadened in verse 7 of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Oh, Jesus is coming. He is coming as the one who truly wears the crown. He is coming as the one who will reign on the throne of David, and it will be his kingdom, and he will uphold it. Praise God, he will uphold it with justice and righteousness. And you know how long his kingdom will last? Forevermore. When Jesus returns, he will set up his earthly kingdom, and that kingdom will give way to the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be justice and righteousness, and there will be peace forever and ever. And it will all, it will all be found 
in the Prince of Peace. He is our peace with God. He is our peace within. And he will one day be true peace upon the earth. I say to all of us this morning, unless you find your peace in the Prince of Peace, your search will be endless and meaningless. Unless you find your peace in the Prince of Peace, your search will never end. And I know this, people long for peace. In every nation around the world, people right now are longing for peace. Not only peace in the world, but peace in their hearts, peace in their souls. In the prophecies of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Jeremiah and Ezekiel not only rebuked the children of Israel, but they were especially harsh on the false prophets of Israel. And the false prophets would tell the people that by their secular means and by their government they could achieve peace. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel say to them, you say peace, peace, but there is no peace. And even in our own day, there are all kinds of strategies to try and find inner peace. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. There are some practical steps that people take to try to relieve stress in their lives, and I understand that. And sometimes they can be helpful. What I want you to know is those strategies can never bring us the lasting peace that the Bible speaks of. I was reading recently about a very popular strategy for inner peace. There are nine steps for you to follow to find inner peace. Number one, focus your attention on those things you can control. Number two, spend time in nature. Number three, be true to yourself. Number four, mind what you eat. Number five, exercise on a regular basis. Number six, do good deeds. Number seven, be assertive. Number eight, meditate. Number nine, avoid trying to change others. Now again, I'm not criticizing that. I try to do some of those things. But again, this will, you can do all nine of those things and it will never bring you the kind of true inner tranquility and peace that only the Prince of Peace can give to you. Let me sum up this message this way. Finding true peace is not something you do. It is someone you know. Okay, finding true peace is not something you do. It is someone you know. This morning I ask you, do you know the Prince of Peace? The very first step you must take is to come to a saving knowledge of the Prince himself. As you go into this new year, make sure, make sure of your salvation. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior, I invite you to do that, to acknowledge your sin, your desperate need of a Savior, and to say, Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my life. 
and be my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that in your life, that is step one. You cannot have peace until you first come to know the Prince of Peace. You cannot have peace until the Prince of Peace comes to live in your life. Secondly, as Christians, for those of us who know Christ as Savior, if we are to really experience the peace of the Prince of Peace, we need daily surrender to the Prince. Daily surrender. As I hopefully grow in my Christian life, and as I counsel with others, I am becoming more and more convinced that as a Christian, I need daily surrender to Christ. Daily surrender. Not weekly, not monthly, not once a quarter, but every day I need to be before God and to totally surrender myself to him. Folks, every day brings intense spiritual warfare. Every day brings new battles with sin. Every day brings new battles in all areas of our lives. We know that spiritual warfare is very real. We need to daily surrender our lives to the Prince of Peace, to the peace that passes all understanding. Lastly, if you feel overwhelmed this morning by the trouble in this world, and there sure is plenty of it, if you feel overwhelmed by the trouble in our country and the trouble in the world, take heart. Take heart. True world peace is coming. I'm not a prophet of God in the Old Testament sense. I cannot foretell the future, but I know based on the authority and rock-solid assurance of the word of God, world peace is coming. World peace is coming, and it will only be found in the coming of the Prince of Peace. Finding true peace is not something you do. It is someone you know. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us to love the Prince of Peace and to abide in the Prince of Peace. Fill us with that supernatural, biblical peace, the peace that truly passes all understanding. Oh, this coming year, Father, we pray this coming year, Cause us to rest in Jesus. Cause us to rest in the Prince, in the Prince of Peace, in whose name we pray. Amen.